0: Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. Guest today, once again, we have Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster with us. We are working on the 33 Days to Morning Glory, and we are on day number 16. Julie, can you recap for us? What exactly are we doing during this retreat?
1: Well, Father Michael Gately has written the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration. And the first 15 days, we began by studying Uh, life and Marian thinking of St. Louis de Montfort, thinking and teaching, I should say. Then we moved into looking at the life and teaching of St. Maximilian Mary Colby. And now, beginning yesterday, we've started looking at Mother Teresa, Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who is very well known to most of us, but maybe not so well known as a Marian saint per se. And as I've been reading through this, I'm just delighted to learn more about her her devotion to Our Lady, who always points us to Jesus. And as many of us learned after Mother Teresa's death in 1997, she was not filled with consolation her entire life. She had many, many uh, years of darkness, and she was constantly pondering our Lord and His thirst. And that's what we're really going to get in today, Mary.
0: If you'd like to get copies of the materials that we're using, you can buy them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers, 33daystomorningglory.com. It's great to have the resources on hand. So if you hear something and you think, does it really say that? You can go back and look and make sure that we're not making things up. You can also then use the Retreat Companion to jot down notes and thoughts along the way. I'd also like to encourage you, if you'd like to share your thoughts, Visit 33daystomorningglory.com on their blog site. You can make your thoughts and comments about each day's readings. If you have questions for us, by all means, post your questions there as well. We'd love to hear your input on this retreat that we're working on. Let's get started now. Reading from 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat by Father Michael Gately. We're on page 70, day 16, the gift God gave on September 10th. In the overview of Mother Teresa's life that we reflected on yesterday, recall that one crucial event changed everything. The September 10th, call within a call, the experience of Jesus' thirst for love and for souls. For many years, Mother Teresa did not speak about this experience to anyone except her spiritual director. Then four years before her death, on March 25, 1993, after reading a Lenten message from Pope John Paul II on I Thirst, she felt moved to reveal her secret in a letter to her missionaries of charity, because this letter seems to reveal the heart of Mother Teresa better than anything else. We're going to read it at length here, and we'll continue with our entire reflection for today.
2: Mary, can I just make a point here, it can get confusing, because this letter that I'm going to start is what Mother Teresa wrote, again, to the missionary of Charity's family, like you said. Sometimes it can get confusing, and and you hear the message from John Paul II, um, and I know from leading groups I've had that confusion, so I just wanted to reiterate that. And and the letter starts, this is Mother Teresa writing to her sisters. After reading Holy Father's letter on I Thirst, I was struck so much. I cannot tell you what I felt. His letter made me realize more than ever how beautiful is our vocation. We are reminding the world of his thirst, something that was being forgotten. Holy Father's letter is a sign to go more into what is this great thirst of Jesus for each one. It is also a sign for Mother that the time has come for me to speak openly of the gift God gave me on September 10th, that was back in 1946, to explain fully, as I can, what means
1: for me the thirst of Jesus. Mother Teresa continues in her letter to the sisters, Jesus wants me to tell you again how much love he has for each one of you. Beyond all you can imagine, I worry some of you still have not really met Jesus one-to-one, you and Jesus alone. We may spend time in chapel, but have you seen with the eyes of your soul how he looks at you with love? Do you really know the living Jesus, not from books, but from being with him in your heart? Have you heard the loving words he speaks to you? Ask for the grace. He is longing to give it. Until you can hear Jesus in the silence of your own heart, you will not be able to hear him saying, I thirst in the hearts of the poor.
2: I have to stop. That that line has always hit me every time I've read it, where she says, until you hear Jesus in the silence of your own heart, you will not be able to hear him saying, I thirst in the hearts of the poor. And I get such confidence when she was talking to her sisters and saying, you can spend all that time in prayer and not really know Jesus. And I think that's important for us to know that um, we, we just, we, We have to encounter him. It's not just about going through the rules and rituals and attending Mass and not really participating in in encountering Jesus. Um, She goes on to write, Never give up this daily intimate contact with Jesus as the real living person, not just the idea. How can we last even one day without hearing Jesus say, I love you? It's impossible. Our soul needs that as much as the body needs to breathe air. If not, prayer is dead. Meditation, only thinking. Jesus wants you each to hear him speaking in the silence of your heart.
0: Be careful of all that can block that personal contact with the living Jesus. The devil may try to use the hurts of life and sometimes your own mistakes to make you feel it is impossible that Jesus really loves you, is really cleaving to you, this is a danger for all of us and so sad because it, is com- because it is completely opposite of what Jesus is really wanting, waiting to tell you. Not only that he loves you, but even more, he longs for you. He misses you when you don't come close. He thirsts for you. He loves you always, even when you don't feel worthy. When not accepted by others, even by yourself sometimes, he is the one who always accepts you. My children, you don't have to be different for Jesus to love you. Only believe that you are precious to him. Bring all your sufferings to his feet. Only open your heart to be loved by him as you are. He will do the rest.
1: Mother Teresa continues in writing to her sisters in this letter You all know in your mind that Jesus loves you, but in this letter, Mother wants to touch your heart instead. That is why I ask you to read this letter before the Blessed Sacrament, the same place it was written, so that Jesus himself can speak to you, each one. His words on the wall of every chapel of the Missionaries of Charity, I thirst, are not from the past only, but alive, here and now, spoken to you. Do you believe it? If so, you will hear. You will feel his presence. Let it become as intimate for each of you, just as for mother. This is the greatest joy you could give me. Mother will try to help you understand, but Jesus himself must be the one to say to you, I thirst. Hear your own name, not just once, every day. If you listen with your heart, you will hear and you will understand. Why does Jesus say, I thirst? What does it mean? Something so hard
2: to explain in words. If you remember anything from Mother's letter, remember this. I thirst is something much deeper than Jesus just saying, I love you. Until you know deep inside that Jesus thirsts for you, you can't begin to know who he wants to be for you or who he wants you to be for him. Our Lady was the first person to hear Jesus cry, I thirst, with St. John, and I'm sure Mary Magdalene. You know, this is a a good time to really uh, image yourself at the foot of the cross with Mary and John, you know, closing our eyes uh, as we read this next excerpt. Because Our Lady was there on Calvary, she knows how real, how deep is his longing for you and for the poor. Do we know? Do we feel as she? Ask her to teach. Her role is to bring you face to face as John and Magdalene, with the love and the heart of Jesus crucified. Before it was Our Lady pleading with Mother. Now it is Mother in her name pleading with you. Listen to Jesus' thirst. Let it be for
1: each a word of life. How do you approach the thirst of Jesus? Only one secret. The closer you come to Jesus, the better you will know his thirst. Repent and believe, Jesus tells us. What are we to repent? Our indifference, our hardness of heart. What are we to believe? Jesus thirsts even now in your heart and in the poor. He knows your weakness. He wants only your love, wants only the chance to love you. He is not bound by time. Whenever we come close to him, we become partners of Our Lady, St. John Magdalene. Hear him hear your own name. Make my joy and yours complete. And that concludes the letter written by Mother Teresa to her sisters on March 25th, 1993. And so today, day 16, our prayer we pray and meditate on is come Holy Spirit, living in Mary, help me to listen to Jesus' thirst. Amen.
0: Amen. That's beautiful. I'm really looking forward to unpacking this reading today Here in the next two sections On Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses Danielle Rose' Great song Called Mary's Song And it's all about The letter that we just read From Mother Teresa Here's a little snippet Of that song On Real Life Radio Back to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster as we continue this retreat, 33 Days to Morning Glory. And we are now reviewing the questions that go in the retreat companion to Father Michael Gately's book. Question number one, Mother Teresa says we can't last even one day without hearing Jesus speak to us of his love for us. Otherwise, she says, prayer is dead and meditation only thinking. What kind of prayer is your prayer? Do you set aside time for prayer? Do you pray throughout the day? Do you include some time to listen or to just sit quietly with Jesus? Is is quiet helpful for you, or do you just get fidgety? And if you'd like to read more, you can check out the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Part 4, Section 1, Prayer in the Christian Life. It's paragraphs 2558 and through 2758.
1: Well, the, the question that you just read, Mary, that sticks out to me is about the quiet. And living in a busy household, it's really hard to find that quiet for me. And so the best time I have found is early in the morning or in the evening before I go to bed. But usually I'm so tired by the time I go to bed. I, I uh, The angels have to finish my prayers when I start that way. Uh, Mass has been a good place for me to have that quiet time with our Lord. And really, this 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat has become a beautiful retreat for me as I ponder each day's message and, and just go deeper, I think, with what each one of these saints is, is thinking. Mary Beth, I know you have a great regular prayer time in the morning and you get a lot of insights from that. How does this call to prayer Hit well you. the the whole question is just jam packed i'm not sure where to
2: start just the first thing that comes to mind is i think about our children growing up in a culture that is so noisy and i think As mothers, we have kind of come away, even though we're in that fast-paced world, we long for the quiet just because of the noise that we experience in raising our families and everything coming at us with the million channels on TV and a million radio choices. And every time we get in the car, my daughter wants to hit the radio station, and sometimes my little four-year-old goes, can we just have quiet? And it's so true. Um, You know, setting aside time for prayer, it it is is just like in the reading, it's like breathing. It's so important because I think when I was younger, you know, we started with the prayers that we were taught and they were the ones that the church teaches us and are so beautiful. But I really had not encountered Jesus and really had that relationship. And that's come full circle now as I've learned to communicate with Jesus and our Blessed Mother in more of a dialogue. But I think combining both of those, it's that balance between a conversation with our Lord and the beauty and richness of our faith, with prayers and beautiful meditations and the feast days and all that, that I'm learning at my age, like a sponge, just taking it all in, um,
1: combining both
2: of it. But it does require time.
1: Well, our priest this past Sunday at his homily was talking about everybody has two ears and one mouth, and I've heard that before, but it was a great reminder to me that we need to listen twice as much as we speak. And I am one that's super good at giving God a list of demands and petitions and things that I think he ought to really get on. And I, I'm really trying to move from that list of demands and petitions to being in the quiet and trying to hear his voice. And one thing we've been trying to move towards to get to quiet because If you walk, if you're in today's culture in the United States of America, there's TVs everywhere. There's radios everywhere. There's noise all the time. I mean, I was at the grocery store waiting in line at the deli the other day, and they've put a TV in at the deli line. I I couldn't believe it. And so we, as mothers and fathers of families and, and people who are in charge of others, we really need to be constantly vigilant to turn it off, make our homes and our cars a place where we can discuss things with each other and enter into that quiet more and more. Julie, I was reading a fascinating book called Forming
2: Intentional Disciples, The Path to Knowing and Following Jesus by Sherry Waddell. And what was amazing, on one of the pages... it, it basically she it's it's not scientific research but basically they asked many diocesan and parish leaders over 60 dioceses and they asked the question what percentage of your parishioners would you estimate are intentional disciples and obviously that means in a, a relationship with Jesus and the answer was about 5% so that wow. that means that all of us that are attending Mass and doing things at our church, that 5% only report really knowing and, and encountering Jesus in a, in a personal way. That's mind-boggling to me, because that makes me think, wow, do I really know Jesus? And it just is, I think about all the natural relationships we have in our life, our spouse, our our friends, our family, and, and all that requires a relationship, time, time spent, getting to know them, unpacking, asking questions, listening to who they are. And that's how you get to know someone, and that's how we get to know Jesus.
0: The Holy Father does a great job at demonstrating to us how to get to know Jesus. It's That's something that I really struggled with, was you hear that over and over again, and I always thought, that's lovely. How do I do that? Pope Francis, every time he goes to the poor, he goes into the community and reaches out to somebody and loves them. That's how we do that. That's how you develop that relationship with Christ, is by developing the relationship with the poor and the needy of the community, with those who are lost and who are hurting. When you do that, you will have that physical relationship with Christ as well. We'll get on to question number two now. Be careful of things that block contact with Jesus. Mother Teresa warns this. What are the things that block you? Julie, I feel like you've already answered part of this. Make a list of the interior things. Worries, life's past hurts, past mistakes, or even forgiven sins. And the exterior things, grocery lists, errands, appointments, TV, daily responsibilities, phone conversations that interfere with the daily one-to-one contact with the one who loves and longs for you eternally.
1: We can all fall prey to entering into prayer and then coming up with our daily to-do list, right? How many times is that? Just enter in. And one thing that helped me in Mm -hmm. prayer is to just have a pencil and a piece of paper so that when I think of, oh, I got to pick up that thing today. I just can jot that down and it's off my mind and I feel like I can get back into my prayer without worrying about the exterior things but one of the things I'd like to talk about in this question was life's past hurts and life's past mistakes because we all have them and they can have a rope around our neck like nothing else and she even talks here in the question uh, the author of the workbook even even forgiven sins how many of us who have had these past hurts, mistakes, sins? Even though we've brought them to confession, they still—the tapes are like replaying in our head. And for me, that—that that really jumped out. I've—I've I've got some things in my past that just—I know they—they they put a block in between me and our Lord. And I know that when I go to Our Lady, I think she can really help me with that because uh, she, as that motherly influence, can. I think, helped me go closer to our Lord as I set those aside and soak in His grace and His mercy for all of those.
2: And isn't that the number one tactic of the evil one, to make us feel that we're unworthy, we should be shameful? I know Lighthouse has a wonderful CD by Jeff Cavins on shame, and... And, and, and in Consoling the Heart of Jesus, which is the next book, uh, Father Michael Gately goes into the Ignatius exercises. And, and you don't have to be a biblical scholar or a theologian to get that. I, I've i done them very, on a very superficial level with using a wonderful book by Timothy Gallagher. Uh, called um, the spiritual exercises. And basically it just teaches you to discern what's coming from God and what's not and when to reject things that are not coming from God. And one of these would be life's past hurts and, and saying you're unworthy, keeping you from confession and thinking that you're not worthy of God's forgiveness. I've heard so often, I can't forgive
1: myself. And it's, it's such a painful thing for people to feel. I'd like to really invite anyone that hasn't been to confession in a while to give yourself the gift and make an appointment. Priests will always say yes if you call the office or just show up. You know, they they love to, to be with people in that sacrament of mercy.
0: I want to make a note too on that, Julie. If you are going back, when you enter in the confessional, don't make it a blame game. Just be honest. Be sincere. Let it go. Take responsibility hold yourself accountable. Don't try to make excuses for your behavior. Boom. radio's living witnesses with mary graham michelle finster and julie musselman we are getting into our workbook companion for 33 days to morning glory if you do not have your copy of this retreat materials yet you can visit 33daystomorningglory.com that's 33daystomorningglory.com question number three what is it about you personally that jesus thirsts for mother Teresa insists that this is critical to know jesus's will for you and what he wants to be for you.
1: This is a beautiful one to meditate on, Mary. And mm-hmm. it's a very personal question, and we've said this before, but as we're sharing here, we, we are not theologians. We are just sharing as lay people from our hearts. And so each of you listening is going to have something else in your own life. We don't have any right answers here with, with some of these questions, for sure. Sometimes when I... Uh, and as I've told you, I've done the retreat several times, but as I've prayed through this question in the past, um, what is it about you personally that Jesus thirsts for? I just hear him calling me, Julie, will you stop for five minutes? Will you stop all the busyness? Will you stop all the activity? I, I'm a very high energy person. I get a lot done in any given day. Um, and I, I think some of that is good, but when it's, out of proportion, that's when I hear him saying, slow down, what you're doing Mm -hmm. is not as important as me, put that aside, (laughs) and come to me. And one of the tricks that's, uh, not tricks, but one of the tips, I should say, that's really helped, um, we have a friend we're praying very specifically for right now, and Finster texted me the other day and said, put it on your Google Calendar for three o'clock every day to stop and pray the chaplet. And that has been such a A great hint, because my Google Calendar, I live by it. If it tells me to call someone, I call someone. If it tells me to go to the grocery, (laughs) I go to the grocery. But if it says, 3 o'clock, pray for this family, I have been stopping everything and praying. So Mm, maybe set your Google Calendar if that helps you.
2: Or just Mm -hmm. your phone, for those of us that don't have a Google Calendar. (laughs) Just
1: your phone reminder.
2: (laughs) And that word thirst, Julie and I got off on a tangent as we were looking at this question this morning, and we were talking about something totally not on the theme of this question, but just the word thirst. And we were talking about exercise. Of course, we always kind of get sidetracked. Julie um, loves to, you know, ask questions, but she's like, I just don't thirst for it. and I'm, I don't want to <laughs> do it. I don't want <laughs> to do it. And, and I said... I go, that's it, that, that feeling of not wanting to get up at 6 a.m. to go do something, because she, she has responsibilities, but she says, I just don't have the drive. And I said, that's that feeling that God's allowing you to have to understand why there is the thirst. The thirst is the opposite feeling she feels for so much more, like zeals for other things, and we all have those different zeals. There is no right or wrong, but that, and that's a way to kind of to unpack that word to better meditate on it, and I love in that reading that we talked about going in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and it does not have to, why a holy hour is the most amazing gift, Um, very few of us can get there for a whole hour, even for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. if the Blessed Sacrament is exposed in your church, even just going to the chapel uh, in, in your, in your church, it is a special way to go face to face with Jesus. Bring your problems there. Um, bring your joys and joys there as well. And just spend those few moments with your friend
1: and bring this book there and read through mother's letter very slowly in front of the, of the blessed sacrament. She asks her sisters to do that on page 71. And I think she's asking us to do that as well.
0: It's beautiful to have her writings right here at our fingertips. It's absolutely incredible. And if you want to if you want to read more, simply Google Mother Teresa's letters. I guarantee you anything you want is on the web. <laughs> even look on the images
2: that Julie has on the 33-day blog spot for Day 16, as you see Mother Teresa there, just staring at her Mm -hmm. as she encounters the poor. And I go back to that sentence that she says, until you can understand the thirst of Jesus, you can't see um, that in in the eyes of the poor, meaning that you're not called to move to help people if you don't first have that relationship with Jesus. And if
1: you've never seen the crucifix picture in the chapel of the Missionaries of Charity, Google that for sure. There's a crucifix in every chapel of the Missionaries of Charity throughout the world, and they have written under Christ's right arm, I thirst, so that visually when you look at the crucifix, you see those words, I thirst, and and that's a huge theme in the charism of the mission.
0: It is time to get on to our final question of the day. Whenever we come close to Him, we become partners of Our Lady, St. John. And Magdalene, hear him, hear your own name. Mother Teresa tells us, what does your name sound like when someone you love says it? What did Magdalene's name sound like when Jesus said it in the garden by the empty tomb? What does your name sound like when Jesus says it to you?
1: And it's great to do that when you're reading back through Mother Teresa's letter, is to put your own name in. Because it's one thing to say uh, say a line of scripture, to say a line from this letter, I'm I'm looking at page 71 where Mother Teresa writes, he longs for you. But it's a very different thing to say, he longs for you, Julie. He longs for you, Mary Beth. He longs for you, Mary. That really transforms those words in in a very different way. And we know in this example of the question, when Mary Magdalene went to the empty tomb after the resurrection, she thought he was the gardener. I mean, somebody she knew... For so long, mm-hmm. she thought it was the gardener. And when does she recognize him when he says her name mm-hmm. and how important our names are? And, and we're taught to always call people by name because that's a great dignity and that gives them very good respect as well. I am always, can I use this word, jealous of people that can remember people's names (laughs) the very first time.
2: Uh, I'm doing this little thing for myself. I take the children at our school to adoration. And the first and second graders, I have them pretty regularly, and that's been my thing this year is to memorize each and every one of their names. And it's amazing how differently they respond to you, especially Mm -hmm. when they're a little out of control. And I've got all these kids, like 40 kids, and I'm taking them by myself. And if I call them by name, something changes. And there is also that endearment that that you know me, you've taken the time.
0: That is so true. And again, it's one of my weaknesses, too. I can totally relate to that.
2: You know, uh, the other thing that this question, the very first part of the question, when we are to image and, and um, put ourselves in that situation at the foot of the cross, it reminds me of just learning the ancient practice of Lectio Divina of just prayerfully meditating on Scripture. Part of that is putting yourself into whatever scripture passage, and it could be just a line, and and, and ima- imagining yourself there, and it is so powerful, and I'm learning that. Just It's just something that it takes time, but it's something we all have imaginations, and we can um,
1: receive a lot from God during those moments. And if anybody wants to practice Lectio Divina, particularly with this passage that is in question four about being at the foot of the cross with St. John and St. Mary Magdalene. It's in, the, it's in the Bible in John chapter 19. And it is right in the uh, verses 23, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them. You can read from there on down. And it's a beautiful passage. And just like Mary Beth was saying, what if you were there? Would you be Magdalene? Would you be a soldier? Would you be just a bystander? right there on that rocky hill looking and seeing all that happened and when you pray it that way that's Lexio. That's that's reading through the scriptures with your imagination and it and so much comes to bear. And just by the way you imagine yourself there tells you a lot about how your relationship is with the Lord. You know, are you one of the people standing way on the outskirts, you don't want to get in, or are you right up close? It's a beautiful way to meditate. And how often were all of those
2: characters yes you know It's <laughs>
0: time yes exactly it is time ladies that we wrap up Julie can you pray for us our closing prayer our daily prayer for the day
1: this is a prayer that we want to be meditating on throughout the day so that we go deeper with this letter of Mother Teresa and get to know better her love of Mary and her love of Jesus through Mary come Holy Spirit living in Mary help me to listen to Jesus's thirst Amen.
0: amen we're gonna close out this section listening to Danielle Rose's version of the Memorari. She did a great job putting this prayer to music for us. You can find this prayer along with all of her music at DanielRose.com. After the break, we will take a look at Louis de Montfort's spirituality for this day of our preparation and rehash our questions so you can meditate on them as you listen to some great Christian music. Here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
3: We're most gracious man.
0: Next on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, we're going to take a look at the spiritual exercises that St. Louis de Montfort used in his preparation for consecration to Jesus through Mary. First, we're going to read from True Devotion to Blessed Virgin Mary, number 228. It's called Preparatory Exercises. Now, keep in mind that for St. Louis, the first 12 days was preparing for the first week. So in St. Louis's platform, we're in the first week. What says here during the first week, they should offer up all their prayers and acts of devotion to acquire knowledge of themselves and sorrow for their sins. Let them perform all their actions in a spirit of humility. With this end in view, they may, if they wish, meditate on what I have said concerning our corrupted nature and consider themselves during six days of the week as nothing but snails, slugs, toads, swine, snakes and goats or else they may meditate on the following three considerations of St. Bernard. Remember what you were, corrupted seed, what you are, a body destined for decay, what you will be, food for worms. They will ask our Lord and the Holy Spirit to enlighten them, saying, Lord, that I may see, or Lord, that let me know myself, or the come Holy Spirit. Every day they should say the litany of the Holy Spirit with the prayer that follows as indicated in the first part of this work. They will turn to our Blessed Lady and beg her to obtain for them that great grace which she is foundation of all others, the grace of self-knowledge. For this intention, they will say each day the Ave Stellis and the litany of the Blessed Virgin. The litany of the Holy Ghost is what the church calls a private devotion. You are more than welcome to go and find that prayer and pray it if you'd like. Litany of the Holy Ghost, also known the litany of the Holy Spirit. As we listen to the Litany of Laredo, sung by Donna Corey Gibson, let's reflect on our first two questions of the day. St. Louis does have an additional reading here from The Imitation of Christ by Thomas A. Kempis, Book 2, Chapter 5, of Self-Consideration. Question number one for day 16. What kind of prayer is your prayer? Do you set aside time for prayer or do you pray throughout the day? Do you include some time to listen? or to just sit quiet with Jesus? Is quiet helpful for you, or do you just get fidgety? And question number two, what things block you from your contact with Jesus? Make a list of interior things and exterior things that interfere with daily one-to-one contact with the one who loves and longs for you eternally. This is a quick reminder that if you don't have your retreat materials yet, you can get them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We have been reading today from Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. We are now looking at the Retreat Companion. It is a workbook that was written by Carol R. Younger to accompany Father Gately's book. We're on page 74, reading questions three and four as we meditate here on this next song. What is it about you personally that Jesus thirsts for? Mother Teresa insists that this is crucial to know Jesus' will for you and what he wants you to be. And question number four. What does your name sound like when someone you love says it? What did Magdalene's name sound like when Jesus said it in the garden by the empty tomb? What does your name sound like when Jesus says it?